Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Tuesday, October the 30th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a busy one. We're going to welcome in the Draft Network's John Ledyard a little bit later on, also the host of the Locked On Draft podcast. Plus, the trade deadline is today. We're going to discuss which parts Miami may be moving on from. We'll answer some of your Twitter questions and discuss the 12 building blocks currently on this Miami Dolphins roster. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you are a fan of the podcast, that is the best way to help us out. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. You can find my work on FanRag Sports, the Palm Beach Post, 3rd10.com. But most importantly, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, and my midseason inventory piece, about 2,700 words, is up live on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Draft Podcast or the Draft Dudes Podcast, for all your draft coverage every single year around the clock. And we have a couple of roster updates for you guys. Let's go ahead and bring on the Mad Dog. Just two moves here on this Monday afternoon as I record this podcast ahead of the trade deadline. And the Dolphins wave Maurice Smith and Jamius Pittman, the safety and defensive tackle off the roster. Those two figure to make way for offensive center and linebacker Jake Brendel and Mike Hole as they are eligible to return from the injured reserve. We'll see if that is the case or if the Dolphins are making moves to free up roster space for the trade deadline, which we're going to talk about right now on the podcast and get things going. That's another Miami Dolphins so the way I wanted to start this podcast in the A block is working off of my mid-season inventory report up on LockedOnDolphins.com, talking about where the Dolphins are position by position and where they have to attack long-term, as well as in the interim for 2018. And first, let's go ahead and start it off talking about this quarterback. I don't think the future quarterback is on this roster, and the reason I think that is because of the shoulder concerns for Ryan Tannehill. That position or that injury seems just as shrouded in doubt as the knee thing did a while back. I hope I'm wrong on that, but it just feels very uncertain around the quarterback. I think Miami is going to be heavily invested in the quarterback class and the free agent market this offseason. As far as running back goes, I think this group is just fine. I love Kenyon Drake. I think Kalen Balazs has a bright future and Frank Gore has possibly been the best of the three. So they're good to go there. Maybe have to make a move if Frank Gore moves on in the future. Wide receiver, I still love this core. I think Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant and Kenny Stills make up a very formidable three. Danny Amendola, a good slot role type of player for you there. I think Devontae Parker is the ultimate fringe slash swing guy at the position, and we'll talk more about him later, but I do like that group going forward. Tight end has been a disaster, mostly because of injury this season. I think Nick O'Leary coming in, replacing Marquise Gray was a big step in the right direction, and Mike Kosicki has been very slow to learn the pro game. We'll see how his growth goes in year number two, but right now, a slow start for him. The offensive line, to me, you have two stalwarts, Laramie Tunzel, the elite left tackle, Jesse Davis, a starting right guard in this league, Jawan James all over the place. The medical is a concern. The inconsistency is a concern. He's going to have to get a big paycheck. Beyond that, you have a bunch of middling swing interior 
interior backups, so to speak, whether it's Ted Larson, Dan Kilgore, Travis Swanson. So that group is probably going to have to get remade at least a little bit this offseason. Defensively, the defensive end group is a nightmare so far. Probably Miami's biggest need going into the offseason. Looks like Charles Harris, Cam Wake, and Robert Quinn all on their way to some disappointing campaigns in 2018. I think Miami is going to have to invest heavily there. Now, defensive tackles, I think Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw are a very good starting duo, but they need to add some pass rush productivity from that spot. And I think Akeem Spence figures to be a one and done in Miami. Looking at linebackers, Raekwon McMillan really holds all the cards. We'll see how much Miami wants to go down that line with him as the Mike linebacker. I think Jerome Baker has shown some big upside and can really provide not just a sub-package player, but a full-time player going forward. And I think Kiko Alonso becomes a cap casualty this offseason. At the cornerback position, Xavier Howard continues his ascent towards superstardom. I think he will cash in soon and be our long-term lockdown corner. Hopefully our Jalen Ramsey, uh, Richard Sherman, that type of player. Bobby McCain, best inside. I think his long speed has been exposed. He needs to get back inside. And then from there, Miami has to figure out what they have in Cordray Tankersley and maybe even Cornell Armstrong and possibly move Minka Fitzpatrick back to safety because right now at that position, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, both kind of play the same position. There's not really a real free safety in this defense. I think Minka Fitzpatrick would be best suited to move back to safety and move on from one of these other guys, whether it's Jones in a big-time trade or cutting TJ McDonald. Dolphins need to shake things up back in that end. The specialist, I like all three. Jason Sanders, Matt Hawk, and John Denny are doing just fine this year. So between the fact that I don't think there are major holes on this roster, there are things that have to get cleaned up, obviously, and the fact that I think you can make a lot of changes in the coaching staff and that can really procure some better performances, I don't think this team is really all that far off. I know 2018 has not gone as we had planned, especially from the injury standpoint and the defensive scheme kind of falling apart in the second half of the year again, but I think that... You look at what the Los Angeles Rams did under Sean McVay, some of these other teams, the Philadelphia Eagles that got things turned around pretty quickly. I think Miami with one good offseason can get right back into that, you know, big time picture, the big time winner circle of the NFL. And of course, the quarterback position is one area going to have to get better. But I just don't think this team is that far away. But I do think coaching concerns really exist right now with this defense. Certain guys playing less reps than other guys. The scheme not really fitting anybody on this defense, trying to plug square pegs into round holes. It just hasn't worked out, and I think that will be the biggest change this offseason. But bringing things back to a more relevant trade deadline approach, I don't think this team should be buyers just because what's the ceiling for this team this year? A playoff win, maybe, which would be great for most teams and even Dolphins fans in general would love to see a playoff win. But even then, I think they sputter out in the divisional round with a beatdown from either the Chiefs or the Patriots. So yeah, a playoff win would be nice. And if they show growth and improvement to continue on and build on 2019, that would be fantastic. But I think you have to be realistic and kind of step back and say that, hey, maybe we're playing for the future in this tough AFC this year. Cam Wake and Rashad Jones, the two top names that come to mind. You can probably get day two picks for either of those guys, unload those contracts and do right by the player and send them to a team that can contend right away. Because I don't think either of those guys are here when the Dolphins become a prom Dominant fixture in the NFL if they do become that. And then there's Devontae Parker, obviously. We'll talk more about him down the line. And then Frank Gore and Jawan James are a couple of guys I would consider moving to. 
Not really likely to move those guys, but just see what you can get for them on the open market because it doesn't really hurt just to call around and see what the market predicts or would assume for those guys going out in a trade. So I think the Dolphins really ought to be sellers, not buyers. We'll see what happens. I think it'll tell us a lot about this team's long-term prospects and their long-term future, especially as far as Steven Ross is concerned with Adam Gaze's job security in Miami. And while we're on the topic of future draft picks and this team's future prospects down the line, we have a lot more to get into here, including the building blocks around this Miami Dolphins team and our very special guest, John Ledyard, coming up next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. The Dolphins return back home to face the Jets this Sunday for a game at Hard Rock Stadium, and you can get there with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Whether it's your favorite live sporting event, a concert, a comedian, a band, whoever it is, a live show, Vivid Seats can help you get to the game or event of your choice. It's the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners a Locked On Dolphins podcast and exclusive promo code for new customers to get $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code Locked On, and get that $20 off $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats, where you can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. It's a Tuesday podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingful with you guys here at Wingful NFL, your host every single day on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And we're going to bring John Ledyard in here in just one minute. But first, I wanted to go over my list of building block players as I tweezed that out on Twitter yesterday. You guys might have some concerns or some disagreements on this. Let's go ahead and start with the foundation pieces. And this is guys that can really... You set your team around, you set and forget these guys and build around these guys, the foundation of your football team. Up first, Xavier Howard. I think he's one of the elite cornerbacks in the NFL. Minka Fitzpatrick, a safety cornerback wherever he is. I think just eight games into his career, he has shown us that he'll have the bite to be a mainstay on the AFC Pro Bowl roster. On offense, Albert Wilson, I think, is one of the big-time playmakers in the league, and now that he has an opportunity to actually play, he will show more of that going forward. Laramie Tunzel, elite left tackle, and then I have two questionable ones that people might disagree with. Vincent Taylor, I think, is one of the elite run stuffers in the NFL, and he's occasionally good enough as a pass rusher to get pressure. And then Kenyon Drake, the running back, I think it's more about misusage with Kenyon Drake than anything else. And then the building blocks, let's go over these real quick. Jesse Davis, Jakeem Grant, Devon Godshaw, Jerome Baker, Bobby McCain, and I tossed Kenny Stills in there for good measure. I think that he has had a bit of a down year, but the quarterback production has been bad, so he kind of has fallen by the wayside that way. But a starting right guard, a specialist receiver, a starting defensive tackle, a kind of versatile type of linebacker in Jerome Baker and a slot corner in Bobby McCain. I think this team has a good core to build around. If they continue to have another good free agency and another good draft class, things could start really turning up for this team here in the very near future. 
And when you're talking about building blocks on a roster, usually you're looking ahead to the draft. And while we've got eight games left before we turn over to the draft, we're lucky to be joined on the podcast now by the host of Locked On Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He's the COO and senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network. I'm talking, of course, about the venerable John Ledyard. Welcome to the program, John. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Travis. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's always a good time to get you guys on, especially, you know, the Draft Network being what it has become and the way you guys provide this analysis at this time of year has really been invaluable for us. And I really hope most of my audience listens to your podcast already. But just for those that don't, tell us kind of the journey you took to get to this revered position as one of the go-to draft sources really in the entire industry. Well, yeah, first of all, thank you. We really appreciate it. I think, you know, the Draft Network's been around for three months now, and every month is just kind of blowing us away more and more, and we're not even in a, into a draft season yet. So um, we're very excited about this upcoming draft season. Draft season, We're going to have features and a lot of things on our site that really you're not going to be able to find anywhere else. So it's it's a very exciting time. I think people and fans are really going to enjoy it. Um, but for, for us, yeah, it was, I mean, have been covering and writing about the draft for years and, and have gotten to know Kyle Grabs and Joe Marino and wrote with them over at NDT Scouting. And then obviously yeah, asked Trevor to be my co-host for the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which is five days a week. Um, I asked him to do that about almost two years ago now. Um, and uh, it's just kind of taken off from there to Trevor and I last last year around this time, maybe a little bit after this time, we're talking about kind of what it would take to start up a, a draft site that really offered everything, you know, that Hit, hit the draft from all perspectives and was really an aesthetically pleasing site with a lot of features and just very kind of cutting edge in its look and appearance, which I think in the coming months people will really see that even get taken up another notch. Uh, so and that was kind of the evolution of it and um, found some people to, to give us the financial backing that we needed to be able to pull off kind of our vision and I think hired a great team bringing you know, Kyle and Joe obviously into the fold and also, Brad Kelly and Ben Solak and Connor Rogers, their video guy, and just having great contributions across the board, I think, from all those guys. So it's been a really fun journey just to get you know where we are three months in, and I think the best is definitely yet to come. It's super easy to navigate. I love the draft profiles you guys do, and every week they have these updates after the college games on Saturday, so you can keep up with these prospects all year long. Like I said, John, it's fantastic. Let's go ahead and turn to some of this draft talk as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins, and really for the quarterback position. Because as you know, John, if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you're really kind of just fighting up Creek. So I know, I know you don't love this class, but I had to ask you, who is the one guy in this process that you could see elevating his game over the next month into the bowl season and ride that wave into the draft season and be a top 10 quarterback off the board? Well, I think that top 10 overall in the draft, I really I only think Justin Herbert has that shot, to be honest. Uh, you could talk about Dwayne Haskins in that breath, maybe, but I don't know that we're going to see him declare. I mean, just a redshirt sophomore, it's unusual for a player to declare with that little experience unless he really has a lights-out season. Uh, his first year as a starter this season really has not played that great against Penn State, does not play that well against Purdue. Even had some bumps in the road against TCU, although I, th- although I thought he did have a pretty good second half in that game. So, you know, the real tests are still some big ones to, to come for Iowa State, but I just don't know if he's put together the kind of season that you need to really be a top-tier prospect at that position. And so, and I think if he goes back, he definitely has a shot to really do that for next season. So I guess Herbert, you know, if you're talking about top 10 overall, I think that, you know, there's just all the tools and the traits are kind of there for Herbert. You just want to see him put it all together consistently and, 
The offensive supporting cast has let him down a lot this year. That's typical in college football, though. He's got to overcome it. He still has some consistency issues that worry you a little bit. But you, tools and traits are all there for him, and he's naturally accurate quarterback. It's not like he's this raw bundle of, of a potential like Josh Allen was last year. You know, Herbert is much more polished and refined and, and less troublesome in terms of high-variance play than Josh Allen was. So, I mean, you're getting a much safer prospect that you have to bring the rest of the way. That's the onus on the NFL. You're not going to get these guys. And not everybody's going to be Andrew Luck uh, coming out of the NFL draft. You're not going to get these guys that level, uh, that pro ready. So I think that with Herbert, you really see everything you want to see. Now, it's been some uneven performances. Last week wasn't that great and, you know, has had some ups and downs, I think, over the last two weeks especially. But like I said, everything you want to see in quarterback prospect is there from a, a potential standpoint. Now it's just about developing the rest of his game. And I think that really he's in a position where if he declares, he's going to be a top five pick. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But he might go back to school. And if he comes out next year, that's a way better quarterback class than the way it looks right now and the potential that it holds. Uh, it's, and really just how weak this one is, uh, he'd be a lock to go high. So he's, it's not a good business decision for sure for him to go back. He may not care about that though. Some players don't care about that. So with a great finish to the season, a great bowl game performance, I think you could see him definitely start to, to hear the talk and to be like, okay, listen, like this, I'm, I'm riding this high right now. I'm on this wave. You know, I've got to declare for the draft now. I've got to maximize my opportunity. So I think that that potential is on the table for Herbert to make that move if he has that great second or that great final stretch of this season. And I don't think Miami's going to be in a position to draft that high or a quarterback that high. So he might be off the board altogether for the Dolphins. But let's go ahead and unpack that next group of quarterbacks. And for me, I, I mean, there aren't really a lot of prospects in this class, like you mentioned, that you can really stake your claim on and say, okay, I have the answer with my quarterback. But there are guys that I suppose have potential to maybe become that. I don't know. I'm talking about the Will Greers, the Drew Locks, Daniel Jones, any names I might have missed. Where do you come down on that next group, that next tier of quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, everybody's all over the place to that next group, I think. Some people just think Drew Locke's, ta Drew Locke's talent uh, is kind of warrants that he should be the next guy. Some people feel that way about Will Greer. Um, you know, for me, I think I have Drew Locke technically in that third spot after Haskins, but I don't feel great about it at all. In fact, I could see a way that Drew Locke doesn't even end up getting even a round three grade for me. Um, and if so, if Herbert and Haskins were to go back, uh, you know, I could definitely see me not having a, a quarterback graded in the top 100. Uh, I just drew lots of numbers against quality competition, against SEC competition, especially this season, are really, really bad. His performances haven't been quite as bad as the numbers, but still not nearly good enough. He doesn't handle pressure very well, way too erratic in terms of his accuracy. Uh, I don't know that he's ever going to be a great quarterback under pressure either because of his ball security and, and some of the decisions that he makes and the way that he gets frazzled and kind of retreats. There isn't a lot of natural pocket movement from Drew Locke. So just didn't, hasn't come far enough, you know, a senior now and has not developed as much as you hoped he would. I mean, sure. There's some ability to make a couple of throws every game, but there's too many holes in his game right now. Um, I think Dane Brugler's compared him to, to Derek Carr. I would even say maybe a poor man's version or a middle-class man's version of Derek Carr. And Derek Carr is obviously, going through some of his own struggles right now in the NFL, and there's questions about whether he should be a starter. So I just I don't know if that I'll feel, feel super passionately about Drew Locke, even though he is currently my QB3. 
The couple guys that are interesting, though, I think Brett Ripien, if you're just asking me, like, what's a quarterback in this class that I could see Adam Gase liking, I think Brett Ripien honestly fits that bill. Um, not a great physical talent tools guy, but I think that's okay for Gase. I don't think that he necessarily needs that. But Ripien can throw the ball down the field. He's been generally pretty accurate. He's extremely smart. He's gotten better and better every single season. He makes some nice touch throws, but he also can drive the ball just enough that you feel okay about it. I mean, obviously, Boise State has some vertical game to their passing attack. That's not a big onus for Adam Gase, but you still need to be able to hit a deep shot down the field every now and again in that offense uh, to keep teams honest. They like to take their shots for sure. I think Ripien can do that. I think he throws with that good touch, and he can throw for distance, even if he doesn't have that high-velocity type of arm. So he's a guy I could see being a riser, but really no buzz about him whatsoever. People talk about Daniel Jones. I have yet to see on tape why Daniel Jones would be better than a guy like Brett Ripien because neither have great physical tools, uh, and Ripien has had the better career by far, I think. So uh, I, I'm not really seeing with Daniel Jones what a lot of other people are seeing. And as far as Will Greer, I mean, I think you could – uh, if he, if Adam Gase drafts Will Greer, I'll be at a loss for words. That is just nothing. That, that to me is not like his type of quarterback at all. But uh, if he surprises us and drafts Will Greer, I mean, poor decision making and a lot of erratic pocket movement are kind of Will Greer's game. I think he has gotten a little bit better this season, but the, the issues are still huge. I mean, coming into the year, I wasn't even taking Will Greer very serious seriously as a prospect. I still struggle to see him as a top 100 type of guy. But right now he's my QB4. I've got to see a little bit more of Brett Ripien. I've got to see more of this Gardner Minshew kid uh, who, who's just started to kind of blossom for Washington State. I'm excited to kind of get into a detailed look at him. And I want to see more of like DeAndre Francois because I'm hearing that he may end up declaring from Florida State. You know, he's been beaten and battered at Florida State and I think still done some good things despite being in probably the worst situation for any yeah. Power 5 quarterback. I think just given the the lack of the lack of any type of cohesiveness on that offense, uh, poor skill players around them, got receivers that don't finish, and then the worst offensive line I think out of all the Power Five schools. So I think he he really has a chance to have a, a pretty decent pre-draft prospect or process and, and raise his stock some if he end up, ends up deciding to declare. I legit feel bad for DeAndre Francois behind that offensive line yeah. this year. It's it's not fun to watch at all. But And uh, speaking of Gardner Minshew, go Cougs. I hope that one happens and works out for the Dolphins as well. And we've got more with John Ledger here on the podcast, including your Twitter questions and a potential first-round target for the Miami Dolphins. But first, a word from Swap.com. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. And with Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on your favorite brands, whether it's Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, and Gap. They have quality hand-inspected items added each and every day. And if something doesn't fit, enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. And for a special time only, our Locked On Dolphins listeners can get 35% off select items with your first order when using promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON. On new deals every day on swap.com's homepage. That's swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. 
And we're back here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield with you guys here as always at Wingfield NFL. And my guest is the Draft Network's John Ledyard, also the host of the Locked On Draft podcast. And John, I know I told you we were sticking to quarterbacks, but I have to ask you this for the very likely event that there is nothing on the board at quarterback when Miami picks next year. I tend to think this defense would benefit from a shift to an odd front opposed to the current even front defense. But regardless of scheme up front, they'd have to have some edge rushers who is the best fit to go in an odd front defense or an even front defense for the Miami Dolphins in 2019? Yeah, they're going to have a bunch of options. Uh, this is a great defensive line and edge class, I think, in general. So whether they're looking for an inside guy or an edge guy, I think they're going to be able to find a little bit of both. Um, let's assume Nick Bosa is probably off the board when they pick. I think the top edge guys, the next five edge guys that come off the board in some order are going to be Brian Burns from Florida State, Clemson's Cleveland Farrell, Florida's Ja'Kai Polite, uh, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, and Josh Allen from Kentucky. Now, some of those guys can play from both a two- and three-point stance, yeah, potentially all of them. You know, Cleveland Farrell's kind of the guy you look at, he and Montez Sweat, and you're like, those guys are probably hand-in-the-dirt type of defensive ends. I think they have the flexibility to stand up if you needed them to, but really the only difference between standing up and putting a guy with his hand down these days in the NFL is whether you want to drop your outside linebackers in your scheme or not. Really, other than that, it's not too different, and you might as well play them with their hand down. So, you know, if if you're looking for guys that just have kind of the hand down, I think it is Farrell and Sweat. Um, but I think, to me, Brian Burns is the best of that group. Uh, he has played with his hand down most of the season at Florida State, will also play from a two-point stance, has rushed from both during his time there, uh, has great explosiveness, unbelievable bend and flexibility. His length is really scary. He's used his hands better and better this season. He hits inside counter moves. He thinks the game at a high level. The question with him is his weight. Uh, there's been some talk that I've heard. He's 225 at 6'5", which is crazy because he doesn't really get pushed around on tape at all. But then I've heard other people say, no, he's closer to 245 now. Um, and, and so that would be a little bit more reassuring. But 225, there's not many edges at 6'5", 225 getting drafted really highly. So we'll see what he ends up weighing in at. I do think his tape's impressive that he doesn't get pushed around if he is 225. That's really saying something, and you would imagine he can pack on some pounds, but I think the potential there is through the roof. Farrell is kind of a see-what-you-get kind of guy. You know, there's not a lot of mystery to Farrell's game at this point. He started and played for a lot of years now at Clemson, uh, a redshirt junior, but has been playing since his redshirt freshman year. Uh, he's been productive. He's relentless, high-motor guy. You are not going to get a bust with Cleveland Farrell. But you probably aren't going to get the potential of really Burns, Polite, or Josh Allen. So I think that he's a good player. I think he's somewhat limited in terms of not having the great athleticism that those other guys do. But I'll be real surprised if he disappoints the team in the NFL. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite has really just completely blossomed this year, come out of nowhere. I did not have him in the same conversation as these guys. Plays a lot from a two-point stance, kind of has the build right now of an outside linebacker. Not a very good run defender, but he plays very hard. He's great in space. Uh, he may not be great at the point of attack. He gets widened a little bit, needs to probably get stronger. But his speed, his burst, his speed up the arc, and his tendon flexibility at the top of the arc are truly rare uh, for an edge rusher. And he has the ability to spin counter back inside, which I like. I, he hasn't just relentlessly gotten pushed up the arc, but he will work back inside some people. So I love polite ceiling. Montez Sweat is another see-what-you-get kind of guy. I don't think he has a bad game on tape this entire season for Mississippi State. He's been absolutely relentless, works moves. He's not as bendy or quite as 
quite as fast as the other guys. A long strider been compared to Jason Taylor some. I definitely get and see that comparison. He's got to be great with his hands, and he's gotten a lot better this year. Came back for his senior year, got a lot better with his hands. So he's another guy. And another guy that came back for his senior year, Josh Allen. Another guy who can play from a two-point stance, drops into coverage a ton for Kentucky, is unbelievable in coverage, but has actually raised and elevated his profile so much as an edge pass rusher by coming back for a senior year that I'll be surprised if every team doesn't view him as an edge defender. Great size, great flexibility and bend. His first step is improving. He's explosive up the arc. His hand usage has come a ways this season. Still a little bit of a raw player, but potential through the roof. I think all of those guys should be first-round picks at this point in the process. All of them have great traits, and, and I think they're going to do well enough, at least in the testing, uh, to project well. So a couple different names to throw out there, but there should be no shortage of edge options this year for the Dolphins in the first round. And I think it's going to be a very exciting draft for the Dolphins this year, and I would be very surprised if they don't come away with one of those guys, one of the top edge threats within the first couple of rounds. We're running a little bit late here, so we're going to go ahead and forego the Twitter questions. Again, if you guys have not heard his podcast or seen the Draft Network website, you're doing the whole football fan thing wrong. It's elite coverage all year around. And you can find him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. John, this is a fantastic podcast, a fantastic uh, interview with you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, thanks again, my friend. Hey, anytime, Travis. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. And there he goes, a fantastic interview with one of the best draft minds in the industry right now. Like I said, Draft Network, guys, check it out. You will not be disappointed. And my apologies, but we're going to have to skip the Twitter questions today. The podcast went a little bit long. I will answer those on tomorrow's podcast for you guys. But as for this one, that will bring an end to this Tuesday edition of the Locked on Dolphins, 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 Dolphins. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked on Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked on Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.